by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Did I ever tell you all the story about time me and Angie went canoeing? It was back before we got saved, and it was I think we weren't even married yet, if I'm not mistaken. We were dating. We had a couple of friends go with us. It was, it was either the Red River or the White River. I can't remember which one. One of those rivers, Spring, Spring River. There you go. It, it was Spring River, and uh, I had been canoeing once before, and so I thought I knew everything. The people, Angie and the others with us, they had never been canoeing, so of course I was going to take the lead. That's just my nature, if you know me. I think I know everything, right? And especially before I got saved. Now I know better, right? But anyway, we got there, and we got, we got in the canoe, and we had our little lunch sacks, and we put our lunch sacks in the bottom of the canoe, and we had a little cooler, and I'm sure it had beer in there. I'm not sure what else. Had some, we put our canoe, uh, cooler in the canoe, and they gave us these things called life preservers. We didn't know what to do with those. We weren't going to wear them, right? <laughs> we tied them to the little poles in the canoe and said, you know, if we need them, I guess they'll be there. And uh, so we set out. And uh, me, going to take the lead on this thing, knowing everything, right? I knew nothing about canoeing. I thought, well, if I'm going to take the lead, I need to sit in the front. So I got in the front of the canoe. <laughs> Some of you are already laughing because you know that's not where the leader sits in the canoe, right? <clears throat> For some reason, I had it in my mind that when we got to a turn, if we wanted to go left, I'd say, paddle hard on the right, Angie. And so we'd just all both start paddling hard on the right to make a left-hand turn. It would turn left, but it would do it at an increasing speed. <laughs> and you never could slow down and hit the turn right. So we were crashing into everything. It was, 30 minutes hadn't gone by. We had lost our lunch and our cooler. And it, uh, Oh, and I forgot to tell you, we brought this little puppy that we had just bought, a little lab puppy. Just a little bitty old thing. And every time we would get tumped out into that cold water, Angie's main concern was the dog. She, she's willing to drown to save that thing. She was grabbing the puppy and trying to keep them both above the water, you know. And she would get the puppy back to the, to the boat. And, you know, the other two that was with us, they were long gone. They, they didn't have any trouble. I don't know. They weren't listening to my advice. <laughs> but we were tumping every, you know, every turn that we got to. And finally, we got to that place where you go off this, just kind of drop off, and the water really gets to rushing really fast. And then all of a sudden, you got this sharp left-hand turn that goes around this little island thing. And if you don't hit it just right, it's deep water oh, in this place. It's dangerous. People have actually drowned in this place. And uh, we got to that, and guess what happened? Yes, I'm going to tell you later. How'd you know? <clears throat> but as I look back on that canoe trip, that just reminds me of my whole life before I came to Jesus Christ. I thought I knew everything. I wanted to sit in the front of the boat. I didn't know nothing. I was, I was tumping my life over at every turn. I was trying to drown everybody that was in the boat with me. 
Are you listening? Thinking you know everything. Who's at the helm of your life? You know what the helm is? I looked it up. It's the person who steer, does the steering. As you know, if, you're, if you've ever been canoeing, the person in the back of the boat puts his paddle down to slow you down through the turns, not <laughs> increase the speed like we were doing. Who's at the helm of your life? I'm telling you, if Jesus is at the helm of your life, he'll help you slow down. He'll help you make wise decisions, and you'll make all the turns, and you'll come out on the other end dry. Amen? Amen. That reminds me of the, the Afghanistan fiasco that's going on right now. <laughs> Wouldn't you think, I mean, if you had a second-grade education, and you were in a hostile, and you were in charge of a, 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 an army in a hostile nation, if you were going to leave the nation, that you would get your stuff and you would send it on before that, then you would get the people out, and then you would get the soldiers out. What were we thinking? We got the soldiers out and we left the stuff and the people. And I say that to say, hadn't I been telling you the government is not your savior? Don't trust them. Not the Republicans, not the Democrats. Go government itself is a good thing. God gave us government. I'm not saying don't obey the government. I'm just saying don't look to them to be your savior. Because they're run by a bunch of people and they make mistakes. And, and sometimes I wonder who's at the helm of that thing. They're paddling from the front. <laughs> That's why I always say, here at the Passion Church, we need to be kingdom-minded. We need to be worried about God's kingdom more so than what's going on around us. And especially we can't listen to the news and all the craziness going on there. They're not telling the truth. Everybody's spinning everything. How do you know what's going on? Well, the way I, I, I've come to, to trust this more than anything else in my life, it's a more sure word of prophecy. It's the truth. It was funny that Bill said, what time is it? You remember when you was uh, in junior high, somebody would say, what time is it? I mean, that was back in the day we all had a watch, and you'd look at your watch and you'd say, I'll tell you what time it is. It's time for you to get a watch. <laughs> it was stale back then, it's stale today, right? But it's still true. Today, more so than ever, it's time for us to get a watch. It's time for us to be aware and watch what's going on in society. Watch what's going on because I believe we're living in the end times. And so we're going to begin a new series today. I'm not sure how long it'll go, but it's called The Rescue. And uh, we're going to look back at how we got here. How we ended up in 2021. And then we're going to look at what's happening in our society today, in the world today, in God's kingdom today. And then we're going to look forward to what prophecy says is yet to come. Does that sound interesting to you? Do you want to have a watch on what's going on in your life so that you don't get caught unaware? Jesus said in Matthew 6, 16, 3, he said, red sky in the morning means foul weather all day. You know how to interpret the, 
weather signs in the sky, but you don't know how to interpret the signs of the times? And then it's even an exclamation point there. He's saying, you don't know how to interpret the signs of the times? Well, we want to be those, unlike our government, (laughs) who can recognize the signs of the times. And unlike the government, God had a rescue and evacuation plan already set in motion before any of this came upon him. He sees the end from the beginning. Amen? Revelations 13, 8. Let's turn to there. We're going, it's funny. We're going to spend most of the time today in the end of the Bible and back to the beginning of the Bible. Revelations chapter 13, verse 8 says this. And all the people who belonged to this world worshipped the beast. Now this is talking about during the tribulation period. And if you don't know what that is, we'll get to that later. But this is, this is in the future. But it could be talking about today as well. All the people who are in this world, of this world, they're worshipping the beast basically. The beast is like the Antichrist. The Antichrist is the devil's way of doing things that's against God's way of doing things. The world is, you can't have the world and, and God at the same time, you understand. And what this scripture is saying is you're either going to be worshiping the things of this world, the world and everything that's in it, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, all these kind of things, or you're going to be worshiping the living God. You're going to be worshiping one of the two. And all the people who belong to this world worshiped the beast. And they are the ones whose names were not written in the book of life that belongs to the lamb who was slaughtered before the world was made. Say before the world was made. Y'all going to help me today? Is this interesting to you? I see several things in this scripture. First I said some, everybody's going to worship somebody. And the people that are consumed with the things of this world. They've invested their life in this short period of life that they have on earth only. Not thinking about heavenly things. Into the world they're worshiping the beast. And they're the ones whose name is not written in the book of life that belongs to the Lamb. You see, we know the Lamb is the Lamb of God, Jesus. And he's got a book. And it's the book of life. And if your name is written in there, you go to heaven. If your name is not written in there, where do you go? So the book belongs to the Lamb. He's the keeper of the book. But it says he was slaughtered before the world was made. Now, did Jesus die another time that we didn't know about? Before God made heaven? No. Sometimes God says something and it is established right there whether it's happened or not already in the natural. Jesus was already slaughtered before we came to the earth because God said it was going to be so. So positionally, he was slaughtered. God knew that somebody was going to have to pay our sin debt. And Jesus was already slaughtered before he created the heavens and the earth. He was as good as hanging on the cross already. 1 Peter 1.20 says he was chosen before the creation of the world. 
but he was revealed in these last times for your sake. See, God already knew what he was going to do. He already had a rescue and evacuation plan before he even said, let there be. So let's move forward to the beginning. Let's go to Genesis chapter 1. Where else could you say that? Let's move forward to the beginning. Unless you're talking about God, because the only person that, that was there before the beginning is God. And the Father and the Son and, and the Holy Spirit. In Genesis 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning... Now, that's the beginning as we know it. Because God is without beginning. And he's without end. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless, empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. And then God said... Let there be light. And there was light. So God saw that what he created was, was dark. And what did he bring to overcome darkness? What's the first thing that he said? Let there be light. Let's see what uh, the Apostle John says about the beginning in John chapter 1 verse 1. He says, in the beginning, the Word already existed. Now, if we were to slip down and cheat and go down to verse 14 of that same passage of Scripture, which we won't get there today, it says, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So who is the Word? Who was on that white horse with the, the name, the Word of God written on his thigh? In Revelations, it's Jesus. Jesus is known as the Word of God. So he says, in the beginning, the Word already existed. Now, I know a lot of people think Jesus was born in a little manger. He was, but that was when he was born as a human. But he always was, and he always will be. It says, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, that might upset somebody's theology. I hope it does. Because Jesus is not just the Son of God. He's not just a prophet. Jesus is the living God. He's just as much God as the Father, just as much God as the Holy Spirit. They are a triune God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And He existed in the beginning with God. And God created everything through Him. And nothing... Created was created except through him. That means you. The word gave life to everything that was created. Jesus, who gives life? He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the... He is life. And he gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought what? Light to everyone. When the Father said, let there be light.
He was bringing light to everyone. And that light of life is in His Son, Jesus Christ. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. You see, that light is so powerful. All the darkness of all creation, if it all came at that little match in the middle of nowhere, it could not extinguish that light. Light always overcomes darkness. But see, we're in the the midst of an epic battle here on earth with the choices being darkness and light. It doesn't seem like a hard choice, does it? In a spiritual sense, the Bible describes darkness with such terms as empty and formless, an unfruitful state, void of God's goodness, a place where we stumble, a place of death, absent of life, full of hatred, a haunt for the wicked and the demonic, a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth when it talks about the outer darkness. It's the kingdom of Satan. It's darkness. He rules and has dominion over this world system and this world system is darkness. And you would think it would be an easy choice. Because when God lays it out, it seems easy. Life or death, blessing or cursing, light or dark, which one you choose? You want to be on God's side? Do you want to go to heaven? Do you want to see good times here on the earth? Do you want to be blessed? Or do you want everything that dark sin, the wages of death, drama, turmoil, everything that darkness encapsulates, unfruitfulness? Which one do you choose? God has been laying those things out for us throughout the Bible. And you think, well, that, the choice is so simple. How do we mess this up? Well, the first two people God created messed it up for us. And got the ball rolling, didn't they? Adam and Eve. <laughs> How could they fall for it? I mean, they weren't even born into sin. They were created. By God, he breathed life into them. They lived in a perfect garden. They walked with God in the cool of the day. Why would they choose darkness? Doesn't make any sense, does it? Until you see that the devil is tricky. Oh, Slewfoot, <laughs> some people call it. He's tricky. Man, he's crafty. He can twist things. In a moment, he takes what's good and right, and he'll use parts of it to deceive you, and then he'll twist you off the path in a moment's time. And that's why we got to be not ignorant of the devil's devices in our lives. I've seen people saved for 30 years, go back to serving the devil. You're like, how? One day at a time, getting off the path little by little. Deceive. The devil's, he's patient. Just keep heading in that direction. You'll be all right. I got you. I'm your friend. See, he deceived Adam and Eve. He told them that they could be the light. You don't need God's light. You can be the light. Instead of humbly reflecting God's light, you can be the light. And they fell for that. You can sit at the front of the canoe. You can do it. <laughs> and he's urging you on. 
But what he's really peddling is darkness. And God said, the moment you eat of that fruit of that tree, you shall surely die. They didn't die physically, but that started the process of it. But they died spiritually. The light that was in them went out. And from that point on, every person born into the world was born into darkness, dead in their sins and trespasses. The bloodline of Adam flowing through every living person from that moment on, sin infected. Worse than any virus, COVID, AIDS, any disease, cancer. Sin is uglier than any of that. Killed more people than all of them put together. Those are just symptoms of sin. Sin is the root of all darkness. And we laugh about it and we think it's just okay to pet it. It will bite your hand off. It's out to kill and destroy you. The devil's convinced half the church not to even talk about it anymore. How deceived are we as a generation? Romans 5.12 says, When Adam sinned, sin entered into the world. And Adam's sin brought death. And so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. You were born into sin. And it didn't take you but a few moments for you to start sinning on your own. Because it was in your nature now. Adam and Eve, they, they ate of that one tree. You ask, you ask, why God did you put the tree there? Why'd you, I mean, oh, so we're going to blame God now. <laughs> Isn't that what, that what Adam did? God, it was that woman you gave me. Yeah, it's always somebody else's fault, isn't it? It's God's fault that I sinned. We twist our minds like the devil will. Spouting out the same things. Get behind me, Satan. Like Jesus told Peter, you, you spouting out the devil's language. God put the tree of good and evil in the garden because they had to have a choice. He gave man free will to choose. He, he had to give him something to choose. He didn't want robot love. He wanted you to choose life. He gave you a free will. You're a free moral agent, so you get to decide. And he wants you to decide. He wants you to choose life. He wants you to choose life. He wants you to choose to love him. Was, was God up there scratching his head when... Adam and Eve sinned? Oh, I, I didn't see this coming. <laughs> you remember, Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundations of the world. Because God knew we would sin. But God already had a rescue and an evacuation plan in place for you. That's how much he loves you. He knew what it was going to cost him. Jesus knew what he was getting himself into when he said, yes, Father, I will go. And your love is that important to him. That you would choose on your own to love him, to choose light rather than darkness. It's that important to God.
Adam and Eve ran and hid when they sinned. They realized that they were naked and they were ashamed. That's where shame came in. Shame is an, old, an evil thing as well. They begin to cover themselves with fig leaves, trying to cover themselves. Some of us trying to cover our sin right now today. Well, nobody knows right now. I'm getting away with it. We got these little fig leaves. Or we're trusting our own goodness to get us out of this mess. But God said, where are you, Adam? He said, we're over here hiding because we were naked. And what did God do? It says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, that the Lord made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. He covered their, their shame. He covered their nakedness. And I wonder if it was the skins of a little lamb that he covered them with. I know this, that an innocent life had to be given to cover a guilty stain. Because God had already declared that there is no forgiveness. There is no remission of sins without the shedding of blood. The wages of sin is death. A life has to be given to cover that sin. Are you, you understanding what I'm saying? And we pet sin and think it's a little thing? It's not important. We're, thank goodness we're living in a, an age of grace, but we ain't got up to that point, have we? Why didn't God just overlook it? Why didn't he just say, well, it's just the one time. Why didn't he say, well, you know, I am God. I can just take it away. I can just forget about it. Forget about it. As a just judge and a man of his word, God couldn't just overlook sin. You understand? He had already said there's no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. He couldn't. He wouldn't overrule man's free will. Your free will might be the most powerful, one of the most powerful things in this world because even God won't override it. He will let you skip into the gates of hell if that's what you want to do. He'll be showing you the hands the whole way. Choose life, choose life. Don't, do, don't choose that, choose life. But he will not override your will. Instead, he set into motion the world's most beautiful story of love and redemption. He'd bring a new light to the earth and lift it up, set it on a stand, so to speak, so the whole world could see. And he'd pay our sin debt and he'd give us the choice to rethink our previous decisions. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. It's hard to tell this story without keep wanting to bump up to the place where it gets good, isn't it? It's hard to talk about darkness and not say, but yeah, but you, we know what happened. 
but I'm going to restrain myself. Yeah, this sin thing, it's way deeper than any of us realize. The first man born of a woman was Cain, and he killed his brother Abel. And it went downhill from there. Right after sin entered in, the Bible says Adam knew Eve, and they, they had a child. That was the first child born of a woman because Adam had been created from the dust of the earth, and Eve had been taken from his rib. And the first child born of a woman was a murderer. And for the next 1,600 years of human history, we went on a downhill slide from there. You say, how does it get worse than that? How does it get worse than a murderer? Well, man was left to their own devices. They had been given a conscience, right? But they, they constantly overrode their own conscience. Until it was seared. And the Bible says your conscience can be seared too. You better watch out. You better watch out. Sin is never happy. You get to a place where you're allowing, you're petting sin in your life. You're leaving a certain amount of sin. And it's not bothering your conscience anymore. You're in a very dangerous position. And I'm speaking to every one of us. Because sin is never satisfied. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 6. Back to the beginning. I should have entitled today's message, Beginnings and Endings. Genesis 6, chapter 5. After these 1,600 years where man was left to his own conscience, it says, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. I used to struggle with the whole Noah's Ark thing. God, how can a loving God bring a flood and kill everybody on the earth? Until I realized that was God's mercy. That was God's mercy because those people, the only intent of their heart was wickedness and evil continually. They were killing each other in much more grotesque ways. There was no civility on the earth. Man left to his own devices was totally wicked. Every thought, intention of his heart was evil and yours would be too if you let yourself go. They sunk further and further down into the hole of depravity. And the Lord was sorry that he had even made man on the earth. And he was grieved in his heart. Maybe that's the only thing that I see in the Bible that surprises God, is the depravity in the, of mankind. Maybe we're the only thing that could surprise him. So, Are you kidding me? So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping things and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. <sighs> Clearly a good conscience. And conscience is a good thing. God gave every one of, a of us a conscience, but a good conscience isn't strong enough to overcome sin by itself. 
your willpower, your want to, your drive to be this good person is not going to be enough to overcome sin. You cannot defeat darkness without light. Try as you may. But I love verse 8. Didn't like the rest of that scripture at all. Tore me up. See that God was torn up. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Say found grace. Could that be a clue to what God was going to do? Grace. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. We know that God asked Noah to build an ark. He told him how big, how wide, how tall, what kind of wood. He said, I want you to cover it with pitch, which is a tar-like substance, to make sure that the, the boat would float. Wouldn't leak. And I looked up that word pitch, and the word in the Hebrew is kofar. And in another place, it's translated atonement. Like the blood of Jesus. And the, the actual definition of the word kofar is the price of a life, a ransom. Did you know that? The pitch that the ark was covered in, was the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what saved those within the ark. I want you to notice also that everyone was welcome on the ark. Scholars say that it could have taken Noah up to 100 years to build this ark. And he was a preacher of righteousness. And he, he pleaded with the people he warned the people what was coming. The flood is coming. Will you get on the boat? And he preached it to every living soul that he could. And how many got on the boat? Eight people. There was much more room on the boat. There was much more. Room on the boat. But only eight people, including Noah, got on the boat. I look at that story and I say, look, the animals are smarter than the sinners. They got on the boat when they were told to. Eight people. Well, surely this will fix the problem in the world, right? It rains for 40 days and 40 nights and all the... People and animals are destroyed except those on the boat. Those being covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. Those that in the ark that God shut the door on. He says, I hold you in my hand and nobody shall snatch you out. Those covered. Those on the boat. It rained for 40 days and 40 nights and then the water began to recede and for many months they waited for the waters to go down and when the ark finally rested on dry land and it, the ground was given time to dry up, God opened the door and now we're, we're starting all over, man. We got eight righteous people that want to live righteous, that want to do good and we're going to repopulate the earth with Shem, Ham, and J-Path. I used to call them bacon, egg, and cheese when I was teaching the kids back in the... Sounds something like you'll get at McDonald's. Shem, Ham, and J-Path. 
and they're going to repopulate the earth, and we're going to have a, a different crew this time. No. The Bible says that, that Noah got out of the ark, grew some grapes, and got drunk. And he was the leader. <laughs> it, it would be funny if it wasn't so sad. You can see it for yourself in Genesis 9, 21. No man is good or righteous enough in his own self to overcome sin. The Bible says our our own righteousness is like filthy rags before God. Are you seeing a, a storyline developed between light and darkness? And that man, God is sh showing man, and we will continue to see this next week as well, that man wants to try every avenue. Well, okay, I can't do it that way. I can't do it with my good conscience. I'll do it over here by being a right person. I'll do it by trying harder. And we're looking for every avenue so that we can say, look at me when we get to heaven. But there's only one way. And nothing that we can do in our own strength will allow us to stand before a holy God. But we'll continue to, to look at this, right, over the next few weeks. I guess I'll close and finish with the story that I began about me and Angie. We're getting to this deep water, fast rushing, sharp left turn where logs and stuff are on the outside of the, the little island there and hazards everywhere and people have actually died at this place and and here I am saying, paddle faster on the right. <laughs> and we hit that thing doing about 70 miles an hour. I'm not kidding. Once we got in that fast water and we were paddling instead of slowing the canoe down. And of course we ran right into the first log that we got to. The canoe went boom. We were just launched up into the air. Dog, paddles, everything. I think even the, the life preservers that we should have been wearing came loose. <laughs> and I mean, we didn't find the canoe for, you know, Somebody had to find a canoe for us. <laughs> they had to bring it back to us. There was people on the, the shore that would watch for idiots like us to come around there so they could laugh. You could hear them laughing as we come around the corner talking about some paddle faster. <laughs> and that's the way we are as human beings. We're trying to paddle faster to get through this life and to make the turns. But there's always something sticking out <laughs> that's going to upset our boat. And the boat that we're in is not an ark covered in pitch, believe me. And so we were thrown into the deep waters. And I went under, and I think I hit my head on something or something. I come up out of the water, and I'm looking, and Angie's over there swimming to get the puppy. And she's getting the puppy, and the puppy's trying to get loose, and she's trying to swim with one hand. And I'm like, Angie, let go of the puppy. Let him go. Let him go. I was willing to give up his life for Angie's, I guess. And Angie let go of the puppy, and that puppy beat us both to the shore. There's one thing that I should have cried out from the depths of who I am when I got to the shore that day. I should have said, is there somebody else that could take the helm of my life? Because I clearly don't know what I'm doing. 
And I clearly can't do it. I can't get us there. I'm trying to kill everybody in the boat with me. I've lost all my stuff. And it's only getting worse. And there's more turns and more rapids to come. Somebody else take the helm. We'll pick up here next week. But I want to close with a scripture. Go to 1 Thessalonians 5. Has this been worth your time today? Is God speaking to you? We're, we're laying foundations. The, the foundational message of a, a series is not always the one that gives you the answers. But I kept skipping ahead enough today that I think you, you see where we're going, right? 1 Thessalonians 5. Not, not what I can preach, but what you can receive. First Thessalonians five, verse four. This is Apostle Paul, I believe, speaking to the saved folks, the church of Thessalonica. He says, "But you aren't in the dark." Well, praise God, something has happened along the the journey of the history of mankind, that people can not be in darkness anymore. That's, that's hope for the future of this message, isn't it? But you aren't in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters, and you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. For you are all children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to darkness and to night. So be on your guard. Not asleep like others. Have your watch on. Stay alert and be clear-headed. Nighttime is when people sleep and drinkers get drunk, you see. But let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love. And wearing our helmet as our helmet, the helmet, the confidence of our salvation. It's good to live in the light. As he is in the light. It's good to reflect the light. That's the place we want to get to. And if you're here today. And you're saying I don't have that helmet. I'm not. A, I don't have the confident assurance. That if I die I go to heaven. That helmet protects you from those thoughts. Because the Bible says you can know. That you have eternal life. And this life is in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you don't have that helmet, you don't have that protection, then you're still in darkness, my friend. But the good news is, light came. Light was put up on a stand for the whole world to see. He was lifted up. And he said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. Like bugs, we need to go to the light. I mean, even a bug has... The, the sense to be drawn to the light and come out of the darkness. You can know that you have eternal life today. You can have a helmet of salvation and you can begin to live out of a breastplate of faith and love. And that love and that faith and that life and that light is only found in one place. And it's in Jesus Christ. The lamb slain before the foundations of the world. God's rescue and evacuation plan. He says, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the light. And no one comes to the Father except through me. 
And what he asks of you is that you put your faith in him. All those other things, faith in yourself, confidence, willpower, a good conscience, striving harder, your daddy's a preacher, all that doesn't matter on, on judgment day. The, the question will be is do you have the light of life? Or are you still dead in your sins and trespasses? There's no other two. There's no shades of gray like the devil would want you to think. There's, God doesn't grade on a curve. You're either life or you're death. You're either light or you're darkness. You're either worshiping the beast or you're written in the Lamb's book of life. And God's saying, choose life. Choose life today. I believe we're like in the, the church of Thessalonica here today. Probably most of you, you're clear-headed. You're walking in the light as he is in the light. But maybe somebody on the, the internet today, somebody that will watch this, maybe not even today, but in the days to come. Or maybe you are in here today and you're not sure. You don't have that assurance of your salvation. That was the best day of my life. What about you, Nicholas? That was my real birthday. I was, born in, I was born into sin, but I was born again into the light of the world. I was born again into the kingdom of God, and this could be your birthday. If, if you're not assured of a home in heaven, why don't you make Jesus the Lord of your life? We'll celebrate with you. I guarantee you, the angels in heaven rejoice over one lost person that comes to faith in Jesus Christ. He's not asking you to... to uh, to be a better person, he's going to make you a better person. He said, put your trust in me because you've already proved you can't sit at the helm. Let me steer your boat. If you never made, if you would, bow your head and close your eyes. I want to, if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, let us celebrate with you today as you make that decision for Christ. He says, if you'll confess him as your Lord and your Savior, and you'll believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Because you confess with your mouth to righteousness, and you believe in your heart to righteousness. And to, you confess to salvation. You, can, you, can, you, are the, you determine where you spend eternity because God gave you free will. And he's not going to take it away, but he, he's saying choose life. He's always whispering. He's, he's chased you down your whole life saying, choose life. Choose me. Rethink your choice. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, but you want to today, would you raise your hand? Let me pray with you. Anybody in here that wants to make a confession that Jesus Christ is the Lord of their life, raise your hand. Okay. What we're going to do is we're going to pray for that person that we are believing right now that's on the internet that will one day or even right now is watching this video. It's going to come to faith in the Lord Jesus. And I want every eye open and every head up. And let's pray with them. And rejoice with them as they make that confession into their salvation. Pray with us like this. Say, Jesus... We repent of our sins. I personally repent. I turn from sin. And I give my life to you. Sit at the helm of my life.
and be my Lord. I will follow you. I believe that you are who you say you are, that you were raised from the dead, and right now you're raising me from death unto life, from darkness unto light. I trust you, Jesus. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Now I want you, you professional Christians in here today, those who've been serving the Lord for a long time, maybe, maybe just recently got saved, wherever you're at, I want you to understand you can't live this Christian life without the Spirit of God, without walking in the light. You still have the opportunity to take your little light and go into the darkness. We need the Holy Spirit. And we're a church that believes in the gifts, callings, or, or the, the Holy Spirit is the light in the earth right now. He's the light on the inside of you. And so we need more light. We need more of the Holy Spirit. We need to yield more of ourselves to God's plan so that we can obtain the calling that God has for our lives. If you're serious about your calling in this life, I want you to pray with me right now. Say, Holy Spirit, I welcome you. You are my best friend. Fill me. What's the word? What's the word? Immerse me by your spirit. I am yours. I will follow you. Every nudge, every word, I will heed and I will believe in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap. Don't miss next week because we're going to go into some more stuff and it's going to get gooder and gooder. Brother Nicholas. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.